stronger, more powerful Digivolutions. Hello, and welcome to the Bomb Squad podcast, where we have pants now. Huh? He's got pants now. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing Digimon the Movie, the Fox Kids classic. I'm your host, Ethan Hawkerman. Hi, I'm Tanner Richard Kraft. I'm Zweebleman. I am Tim M. Suleiman. This week, we'll be focusing on uh, Digimon the Movie um, as part of our sort of retro anime Thing that has been slightly delayed. Uh, so this will be the first entry in that series, which is great because it's the one that I'm uh, I'm the only one here with a greater amount of familiarity with it. But uh, sort of getting into our histories with Digimon, just going straight in. Austin, uh, what is your history with the larger Digimon franchise? I have absolutely no history with Digimon, save for one very vivid memory of playing Digimon Rumble Arena 2 at a friend's house and thinking that game was just the bee's knees. Other than that, I, I do not know Digimon, Ethan. That, that's fair. I feel like that's not too uncommon. Something very peripheral like that being people's only real familiarity with the franchise. Tim, what is your history with the Digimon franchise? I didn't really get super into it as a kid. Um, I watched a couple episodes here and there. Um, I just uh, didn't really follow it. And I think that's largely because it was a show that aired on Fox Kids in a time when my Saturday mornings were devoted to Kids WB. And uh, you could only watch one channel back in those days. Looking back, I think I can kind of see the appeal of it. Because, like, with Pokemon, you have, like, the super cutesy monsters. And then with Yu-Gi-Oh!, you have, like, more Dungeons & Dragons type stuff. And uh, with Digimon, there's sort of a middle ground where, like, the, you, you got some cute monsters with just, like, a little bit of an edge to them. And I, I, I always like the memes where it's, like, talking about how the evolution chain of Pokemon is the natural progression where it's, like, a cat evolves into a leopard, evolves into a lion, and then the Digimon evolution is just like a cat evolves into a velociraptor, evolves into a tank or something. But yeah, I didn't really have too much familiarity. I had watched this movie last year, and uh, so then I revisited for this. That's uh, that's about all I got. Because a lot of people, not necessarily wrongly, do kind of consider it just a derivative of Pokemon, which it it is a little bit, but it's it's more a derivative of Tamagotchi. It's it's Tamagotchi for boy. Mm. That that tracks. Uh, Tanner, what is your familiarity with the larger Digimon franchise? Not really any uh, per se. I watched the Digimon movie when I was seven once, and the soundtrack left a tremendous impact on me. More on that later. Beyond that, uh, the most experience I have with the Digimon franchise is because of this uh, this this guy, this fucking uh, jerk nozzle named Ethan Hawker. I I kindly oh kindly let him borrow my. Uh, student ID so he could get into the Webster University radio station in order to record something. And when he attempted to hand my ID back to me, he started swiping my neck with it. And I stared at him funny because that's a bit of an odd thing to do. And he said, I'm trying to make you digivolve into Brandon Dietra. It was more like I started swiping it and apropos of nothing saying, Digivolve into Dietramon, Digivolve into Dietramon. And you just broke down. Um... Which was very funny to me. Maybe not to you, but, but as long as it was funny to me, that's all that really matters. I mean, it was funny, hurtful, but funny. 
I'm my own man, you know. I'm not just a piece of meat you can digivolve whenever you want. That's fine. I was expecting someone here to have maybe a bit more familiarity with it. I'm not not going to lie in it, but that's not an issue. Um, like Digimon was probably my favorite thing, which is weird because nobody, like literally nobody else I knew, really liked it or knew anything about it. Um, everybody else was Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. I like. I didn't get to watch much of the original anime, like as it aired on Fox. Um, I watched like a couple episodes of Adventure Two. Um, and I had a tape of the first three episodes of um, Digimon Adventure. Like, that was enough to sort of establish the world of it. Um, and then I believe, I don't think I owned it myself, but I had cousins that owned a tape with the first couple of episodes of Adventure 2, um, which I had. So I had seen that. Um, and then I got a copy of Digimon the movie. And that's sort of the perfect spot to be in to enjoy Digimon the movie when you just like you have enough concept for the larger world. Um, so I loved Digimon the movie as a kid. Oh, it was, it's probably like as formative to my tastes in media, uh, tragic as that sounds, <laughs> um, as like the Transformers the movie. Um, I don't hold it in nearly as high a regard as I do that film now, um, but I still have a lot of nostalgic affection for it. And I would actually watch the, the television series proper when they would air on Jetix um, after Disney purchased um, all of Saban's library. So, you know, Digimon Adventure, Adventure 2, uh, Tamers, and Frontier. I watched all of those and loved them. Tamers is, is particularly held in high regard. That's the one that was written by the guy who wrote Serial Experiments Lane. Was that like the third season? Yeah, the third season. Uh, that was written by, yeah. That's the one with Gilmon. Yeah, Gilmon. And, I, um, I remember seeing a couple episodes of that one. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that had Terriermon and Renamon. Um, that's the one where, where he has pants, but on TV now, not just on the big screen. Now. I'm, I'm just going to cram it in all over until it's completely unfunny. And I had the games. I had Digimon Wor World and Digimon World 3. I played those to death. Um, and the trading cards, of course, which I never played, mostly because the rules were terrifying. And also, I didn't know anybody else who had them. Uh, and the toys, all that. Yeah, so I have a lot of nostalgic affection for Digimon, um, despite dropping off after Frontier. And I still enjoyed it a lot, actually. Like, um, honestly, this revisit has gotten me more interested in it again. Before before we get into anything, before I introduce the film properly, for those those unfamiliar, introducing this film is a uh, Angela Anaconda short based off the Canadian animated television series of the same name. Um, I would just like to ask, uh, why is Angela Anaconda? Ah, this is the kind of creativity I am happy got sandblasted out of children's entertainment after the 90s. Something about it is terrifying. I didn't watch it because you kept telling me how bad it was. It just reminds me of just, like, some of the weirder stuff that was on Kids WB that, like, I don't even remember the names of the shows, but there's just, like, a lot of shows I remember being like that. It was just like, why is this a thing that exists? Why does it look like that? Do you guys know that one animated short with the little two paint uh, people who are made of paint and they pick up the little paintbrush and they try to paint each other or whatever? I never can remember. Oh, yeah, Cinderella. I can never remember the name of it, but we'll put it up here. That, like, whenever I see shots from that, I'm like, oh, this is good nostalgia. When Ethan told me about Angela Anaconda last week and prepped for this, I saw her face for the first time in probably a decade, and it was the worst nostalgia. It was like my <laughs> soul left my body, dudes. Can we, can we just insert a screen cap of that green text you sent us? Just, like, insert here? Yeah, Angela Anaconda is uh, very bad and, and really puts a sour taste in your mouth going into this movie. This movie, which is actually three movie, um, the Digimon Adventure sort of proto-pilot film uh, that precedes all Digimon media, basically. It predates the television series. Um, the Digimon Adventure Our War Game uh, 
not quite feature, featurette, um, and the Adventure 2 uh, full title, Digimon Adventure 2, Part 1, Digimon Hurricane Landing, Part 2, Transcendent Evolution, The Golden Digimentals, uh, what a name, rolls right off the tongue. That one in particular is, is heavily truncated. Fox just slapped these three movies together because they didn't have a proper feature because they wanted those sweet, sweet Pokemon the first movie dollars. In five days, taking almost $80 million at the box office, the most successful debut for an animated film ever. We'll, we'll kind of walk through each film uh, by itself and then sort of give our thoughts on the film as a whole. First up, thoughts on eight years ago uh, with the Digimon Adventure adaptation i guess uh just like go- going into it with very like minimal kind of peripheral familiarity with digimon i think that this was a very good just like kind of starting point because it's just like a good little 20 minute short that uh gives you the full idea of what's going on it's the very beginning and like it's the showing the main character as a little kid and showing his little sister is just like a little toddler and uh they have this little monster turns into a bigger monster and turns into a fucking kaiju um and then we just have like this big monster battle that at times maybe i'm making this up in my head but at times like it looked like just shot for shot remakes of the first episode of evangelion so it's just like fun to see just like uh, evangelion but done with digimons um <laughs> yeah just just fun little 20 minute intro there yeah fun stuff yeah, I would say that. That's uh, It's a good introduction to the larger world. Um, not so much this film, mind you, but um, in terms of, like, if your parents don't know what a Digimon is, they can watch this and, and this one and kind of get the gist of it while they're quietly fuming about having to watch the Angela Anaconda short. <laughs> Prepare for battle, you pathetic Pukemon! Um, assuming they haven't already left the theater and yeah. gotten divorced, assuming they haven't been divorced already. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner, uh, your thoughts on the uh, Digimon Adventure short? So when I watched it as a part of the piece, as the whole piece of the Digimon the movie piece, I thought it was fine. Honestly, more than anything, I just thought it was kind of meh. Weirdly enough, I thought it felt like there was a disconnect between what the visual style of the animation was trying to do and what the dialogue and audio was trying to do. You made me watch the subbed version, which is quite, it's different tonally. Again, not a ton, but different, you know? Less jokey, for sure. I feel like that's accurate to say, less jokey. You can be whoever you want, big guy. For example, my letterbox rating for the movie as a whole was three stars, but the Japanese version of the first short I gave four stars to. And my review lays it out best. Much better than the dubbed version. However, inferior soundtrack. If they kept the ska, this would be five stars. I hate you so much. All right. Austin, what'd you think of it? Now that Tanner's ruined my mood. I think I made Austin's mood better, though. That was amazing. Yeah. That's the, You said the opposite of what anyone would say. <laughs> you said the exact wrong thing. It's really incredible. Well, it's my honest-to-God opinion. Uh, yeah. 
I'm clumped in with everybody else. Uh, we all, at Ethan's behest, watched the Japanese versions, and then, you know, I, we ended up watching Digimon the movie. I personally loved the hell out of Digimon Adventure, the, the original short. Just the constant use of uh, Ravel's Bolero, this song that has this, like, one motif looping and getting more grand as time goes on, coinciding with this monster ju- just keeps growing and growing out of control. Uh, then I get to this, sh- you know, in the movie, and no less than three minutes into Digimon the movie, I noticed an edit where they had a toilet flushing sound over what had been Ty walking around at night. And there's much talk of soccer all of a sudden. Not football, soccer. Like, if the Japanese wanted, like, version of this reminds me of Allegro Nontropo's March of the Dinosaurs, the English one reminds me of Godzilla, adapted to be a Disney Channel original movie. Hell yeah! <laughs> At the end, it sort of felt like a victory, with all the stuff that they kind of changed, that they kept in the part where Agumon has to be roused back from fainting with the whistle. I was like, maybe they're gonna cut that. I was scared of what this might do. Uh, but the material's really good stuff. It's like a perfect 20 minutes, and adding the mystery science theater dubbing over it can't break a story that's already this stripped down and decent. In the television series, they do that a little bit, but overall, Digimon is fairly true to the original material. Like, they'll add in a little few jokes here and there. If that's a car, it's got an awful lot of trunk space. But it is overall lighter. It feels like they were like, oh, it's the movie, so we have to go big. Um, And that on top of them feeling more obligated to rewrite things to kind of connect the three segments and to sort of bring it tonally in line with the series as written. I do think it doesn't work as well in in Digimon the movie, but I I still think it's strong. You know, it left a big impact on me as a kid. Like, there's such great iconography or like the fact that like even with Kari talking in it, um, which is unfortunate. Um, it's not great. I think I think that's probably the worst part. Like Ty talking too much is fine, but but Kari talking so much, I, I think, is what really spoils the mood uh, for me. That and um, Greymon talking when he when he looks into the camera and says, "I'm Greymon." <laughs> it's like, yeah, you are. I do that all the time. I'm Greymon. You can be yeah, anything you want, big guy. <laughs> I do like do love that line. <laughs> it, feel, it feels like there's a real kitsch value to it. For what it's worth, I always conflate Rite of Spring and Bolero, specifically because the, of Allegro Non Tropo, because the Bolero segment in that is the, the Rite of Spring one in Fantasia. We should talk about uh, Allegro Non Tropo sometime. That'll be fun. That'll Please. be good. I, keep... yeah, I love Rite of Spring by Angels and Airwaves. No! Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like when you talk, Tanner. Um, <laughs> I think it's got a little... It's really cool seeing the Digimon animated more like monsters, like really bestial, and there's a lot of weight to their movement throughout. I think it's super effective. The adaptation leaves a bit to be desired, and it's probably the one that, despite like basically all the footage aside from Greymon like just ripping off a chunk of Parrotmon's lower jaw, a la King Kong, it's it's mostly intact. But the um, it's purely just dubbing. Um, it's it's a great example of how you can kind of futz with tone in that way. That's enough about Digimon Adventure. Let's go uh, four years ago to um, the uh, our war game adaptation. Um, Tim, what'd you think of that? Oh, this is the part of the podcast I'm most excited about, because this is the part where I get to talk about Summer Wars. Yeah! So, this film and the uh, Digimon Adventures, these were both directed by Mamoru Hosoda, who is a uh, director who, we, we talk about him in the Bell podcast, which will be coming out at some point in the near future. A feature that he ended up directing a few years later is a movie called Summer Wars, which... Uh, 
I had seen that before watching Digimon the movie, and I had heard that it is very similar to this particular segment. And then when I watched Digimon the movie and I saw this, I was just like, oh, this is like one to one. This is this is just straight up the same movie. Uh, it's incredible. I do think that like the Summer Wars version in some ways, I think it fleshes out like that story a little bit better. And I think it appeals to me more personally. But I do think that this is kind of like an interesting one to look at as like a proof of concept short. You see just like this idea of the digital world being hacked and uh, if to stop this uh, avatar or this missile is gonna blow up this whole area. Just like this very high stakes game type of scenario. It's cool to kind of see that with uh, the Digimon skin on it. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I really like Summer Wars. So it's just cool to see what kind of inspired that movie. It's something where like taking on taking on its own, uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But um, like as a, as a sequel, ostensibly to Digimon, something in between Adventure One and Adventure Two, it's very effective. Um, and as a result, like if you do at least have a little bit of existing context for the series, it's nice because it is it is a relatively tight story. Everything's there. Um, it tells you everything you really need to know, um, even if you're not super familiar. Like I hadn't seen War Greymon yet in the show. I only ever saw Greymon at that point. But it's like it just made me interested. Like how did that happen, Austin? <laughs> Uh, this one's hands down the best one. <laughs> like the original movie after I saw it, I was completely floored. I almost let out a tweet just like, oh, wow, the Digimon movies, the Japanese ones make the Pokemon movies look like cash grab garbage. Like it sort of continues the previous shorts, like sort of like kids world where kids do adventures logic. Like the fact that this basically creates an organic sort of global threat that is stopped by four kids. And I'm not spending the whole time like, bugged out that like oh, some larger institution would step in and fix this it's like a testament to how, how well crafted like the internal logic is i had a, i had a lot of fun also like the last one it sort of replaces all the perilous moments with butt rock like uh when you're watching <laughs> digimon the movie this one has like the most variance of animation out of the three like between the the, the internal world and when they're online trying to battle Virusmon or whatever the hell his name is i think the one the part where ty's mom is a bad cook is probably one of the things that resonates with people the most like who remember growing up with this that was one of the inserted jokes that worked the best and i, I really like the line like small note too with regards to that they actually they reuse a lot of the the digivolution animations through it um what i do like is that for their um their mega level uh digivolutions and actually even the ultimate ones uh for the ones that use 3d models they went in and actually replaced the lines on them with the red lines to make it consistent with how they are depicted in the uh in the digital space for this film which is such a small detail uh but i, I really appreciate it i don't know why um, i think that's a big part of what makes this featurette so good is that attention to like little details and that sort of thing. Tanner, do you now remember what you watched? Yeah, now that Austin's thoughts helped jog my memory, I'm going to go against the grain here. I don't think this is my favorite one. I think I like the third one the best, so we'll get to that when we get to that. But, um... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what is so fucking funny about that? No, go, go, go. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with Austin. I think uh, there is a standout in the You Got Mail. I scream that every time I get an email, my neighbors hate me. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just got an email. Anyway, I like the idea of the Virusmon thing. It's something unique to Digimon that you don't really see in, like, Pokemon. What is this? 
This is the virtual Pokemon Porygon. It is developed by none other than Akihabara the Almighty. The virtual Pokemon Porygon? Yeah, one thing about Digimon in general that's kind of interesting is it's this digital space thing. I think it makes sense that Hosoda's later work, at least of what you guys told me on the Bell Podcast, being so digital VR heavy. I think it makes sense considering this is one of his earliest works too, right? Yeah, his second, I mean, like, featurette, really. Like, And his only other big thing was directing an episode of Digimon Adventure, the television series, which is very I just one. I wonder what came first. His interest in the subject material of Digimon gave him that interest. Uh, but in general, I kind of like the digital exploration. I think this one does a better job of exploring that space. Uh, the added humor is the best here. Again, like Austin said, it's the least cringy. But if memory serves me correctly, I believe this segment is the one that has the Mighty Mighty Boss Stones, the impression that I get, which is probably the best song on the soundtrack and is one of the greatest ska songs ever made. We'll get to that later. Back to you, Ethan. I think it's interesting that you like the third one the most. I'm not going to lie. And I, I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. I'm an uh, interesting person. Despite, despite my laughter <laughs> of incredulity. Um, I think this one is the one that, in adaptation, it survives the best. Because um, it's not shredded like the third segment. And it's, you know, its tone isn't sort of really mucked up like the first one. Well, I guess the biggest issue I have with what it does is for a Diaboramon, um, it gives him a voice where he's actively talking, which does kind of detract from his menace. But like, I like some of the jokes. I like when Miko is going to the cat internet, uh, meow.com. Good stuff. It's charming. And I like the line where, well, A, they call back to a gag about Ty barfing in Sora's hat that they invented earlier on in the film, which I thought was cute. I haven't felt this bad since the time I accidentally threw up in your hat and didn't tell you about it before you put it on. Um, and, and the adaptation is... I don't know, at its most fun here um, and tracks the least, even even if it does spoil Omnimon a little bit. And Omnimon is so cool. I like him because he's a knight um, and he's made of two of the coolest Digimon, but like in a, like a subtle way where they're just his arms. Like it's it's genuinely really cool. Like th they do that in Adventure 2 where they kind of mash two Digimon together um, and it's it's a bit less subtle, uh, you know, like Imperial German and that sort of thing. The fact that it's kids doing this doesn't feel completely strange just because Digimon creates this sort of concept of online as an alternate space, an alien space like created as a byproduct of the internet, not something like actually made by people, um, which I kind of love. Um, and it's not like a video game like Ready Player One or whatever, where they're controlling avatars. They're like, they're digital pets. So they're sort of just guiding them through this. And I don't know, that's like, I think that's why, like the central conceit of it works the best for me compared to like, say, Bell or Summer Wars. It's full of gorgeous animation. I love that scene when WarGreymon is punching uh, Infermon um, and Infermon knocks his gauntlet off before he just fucking decks him and sends him creening into space. There's so many good little cuts like that. Or when Metal, Gur uh, Metal Gururamon launches an Itano Circus of missiles at uh, Diaboramon um, or, or Diablomon, um, as he's more properly westernized. But Diaboro just sounds cooler, man. And isn't a video game. Yes, it is not a video game. Stay woke. <laughs> we do not stand Blizzard. Blizzard, Activision, no go. No, I think our war game is prob probably the strongest and the one that, like, I... I, I enjoy the most personally, despite my affection for the first segment, but, and it's, it's overall very strong. Um, but enough of me talking. I always get sick of it too. Don't worry. 
let's talk about uh, present day, present time with. Um... <laughs> Man, it sucks, doesn't it? 2022? Yeah. This, yeah. this stuff ass. I should have saved that one for when we talked about a Digimon Tamers movie, but say <laughs> la vie. That'll probably never happen. Don't worry. Um, with uh, the adaptation of Digimon Adventure 2, Part 1, Digimon Hurricane Landing, Part 2, Transcended Evolution, The Golden Digimentals. Um, starting with you, Tim. I don't have much to say about this one, honestly. I, As far as just like when I watched um, the dub Digimon movie a year ago, I just remember this one not sticking as strongly with me. And I think it's because of the whole like just hyper truncation of it. Yeah, it, it, it had a couple of just like fun moments here and there, just like from what I could gather. But oh no, yeah, I don't know. This this one just uh, didn't really stick with me. I, I, don't, I don't have too much to say about it. I like I like it. I, I do like that film. I'm, I'm going to put that one out there now. Uh, it's got issues, but there's not a whole lot of barriers to understanding, too. Like, if you understand the basic plot from Digimon the movie, it's just a lot more sort of flavor, and you can kind of con- infer that from inflection and that sort of thing. Like, all the important stuff there, if you know, like, the you know the, the bones of it from Digimon the movie. Uh, Tanner, uh, this was your favorite bit, and I'm confused. Please elaborate. <laughs> Uh, it's because the Digimon said, after all, I'm on vacation. After all, he's on vacation. Can we end this quickly? After all, I'm on vacation. Primary reason why I liked it the most, that was my favorite line in the movie. Huh? He's got pants now. Beyond that... He's got pants now. Uh, yeah, the Digimon are wearing pants, no longer freeballing it down there. I like to see that. Uh, but other than that, the last 15 to 20 minutes is honestly the part where the movie finally engaged with me, and it actually gripped me. Uh, maybe it's just because at that point you were like getting on to me for not liking it. And I was like, well, I should probably try better. So maybe it's just a convenience of timing thing. There was this line about friendship I really liked. I think I wrote it down somewhere. Willis, I'm not your pet. I'm your friend. And friends are always there for each other. Uh, some other things is the part where he eats them. And then the one character says, yo, he ate them. And that was basically what I said on the couch watching it. He just like me for real. <laughs> yeah, literally, that was my he just like me French moment. Friends are always there for each other. Messages like that, I'm a sucker for that in kids' movies. Friends are always there for each other. <gasps> I loved Ron's Gone Wrong, and that was one of the primary messages of the movie. The animation in general in the second and third shorts is all great. It just especially stood out to me in that digi sequence in the end. And also, I just love how abruptly it ends. <laughs> you think, oh, falling action. Yo, wait, credits? All-Star? Smash Mouth? What? Uh, and finally, I have nothing more to say. Back to you, Ethan. That's fair. I remember liking it more when I was a kid, obviously. Like, the, the tonal shifts. What are you trying to say there? Stand out quite as... I don't know. I'm not saying anything. It didn't stand out. The tonal abruptness of a lot of things didn't stand out quite so prominently at the time. Um, as, they, as they really do now. Austin, you seem to have thoughts about this bit, too. I'm interested well, in hearing them. What was this? What even was this? <laughs> like, the part in the beginning where they show, uh, I think it's Davis, and Kari's narration is like, haha, yeah, he does look a lot like my brother. And there's Davis and Demi Vimon. Yeah, I know, Davis looks a lot like my brother Ty. They even have the same personality. Or, or that part where Davis is crying, and what you're talking about, Willis, is just like, hey, why are you crying? And Davis is like, oh, yeah, I forgot, never mind. Like, what is this? That ending felt like it took 20 years to finish, that last action sequence. 
Like there was some nice projection mapping in the animation. Those shots were rare. It, it was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Like Jeff Nimoy had a blog about the making of this movie, and it's cathartic reading that blog and knowing that the executives at Saban and the creatives involved also thought the third movie was dead weight. Like, the craziest part is, the original movie, Digimon Hurricane Evolution Golden Touchdown Digilennials, isn't much better at all. Like, I did find a version of that with subs. And seriously, the poor quality of this film really speaks volumes about how on the ball Mamoru Hosoda must be. It is just like a, a big cliff. Although the, the Smash Mouth ending is really funny. I can't knock on that. <laughs> Somebody. I, I think it has issues. Um, like my, my biggest problem with it, honestly, is that sort of uh, the dropped plot line with the um, protagonists from the original adventure in the Digi World. Yeah, being being sort of de-aged. Um, that is sort of dropped. There's a lot about it. I like what it's doing, even if it doesn't like the weird soundtrack choice with the jazz and like harmonica stuff going on there, um, and the way it plays through the fights. Like that seems like a, like it's supposed to be sort of melancholy throughout, and I think it effectively conveys that. Generally, it's it's a bummer of a film as a whole um, in a lot of ways. But there is like a lot of contrivance, uh, Seraphimon and. Uh, the other one, <laughs> giving the um, golden digi eggs sort of out of the clear blue. But uh, like with Digimon, you're there for the character stuff. And I think the character stuff there is mostly solid. Um, I like Davis and Willis, uh, Wallace, I guess, his reaction. I don't, I don't really, or interactions with one another. I don't really care about uh, Davis and, and Willis because they don't have any time to really interact as much. It is something where I, I would imagine if you were a fan of the series, like Digimon Adventure 2, and had watched it, um, it's sort of interesting just to see these characters in, in different environs, doing different things and interacting with different people. So you have a bit more of an understanding of their personalities. In general, that's also just... I think that what you're describing is sort of indicative of general consensus, not only towards that film, but also towards Adventure 2 as a whole. Um, it, it is generally viewed as a decline for the original because a lot of the original creative staff kind of left because they weren't happy that they were doing another one. Um, and as a result, it's still a solid show. I would still say it's like narratively stronger than something like Pokemon or, or that sort of thing because it has an, a real, real deal, big boy, overarching narrative and characterization and stuff. But I, I wouldn't consider it as strong as it's sort of sandwiched between um, Adventure and Tamers, which are, are much better shows. But yeah, the Golden Digimentals film, I, I enjoyed actually, and I like the animation. I think it looks very attractive, even if it doesn't necessarily look uh, like the composition isn't as interesting or naturalistic in a lot of ways as uh, the Hosoda uh, work, where he does a lot of stuff with like shifting camera angles and very loosely defined outlines and that sort of thing. But I like it. I like the I like the color palette used, those muted colors throughout. I don't know why. It just makes it feel more like a big, uh, again, you know, a real big boy movie. Um, than something like even uh, Pokemon, the first movie and that sort of thing. But its adaptation is just completely uh, put through the shredder. It's incomprehensible. And you can kind of tell because in that same blog post, uh, Nimoy says like he was very upset that he had to include this. And it kind of shows in the way he treats the material. He he treats it as very disposable Um, in a way. I'm I'm like, I find mildly irksome, but I I admit I I like, I think it's also probably the funniest bit. It it has a lot of good funny bits. Uh, He's got pants now. He's got pants now. I, I, I like to, oh, that's from the movie. I hate you so much. I love him, Tanner. Never change. <laughs> I like Terriermon. Um, I, I like the cast. But yeah, um, its adaptation is poor, and even the original film isn't that strong. Particularly if you have if you have never seen Adventure Two, unlike you know our board game and the uh, and the original Adventure pilot film, which can make sense to even those who have not 
you know, consumed much or any for the first and then much for the second. But yeah, yeah, it's sort of a poor ending, uh, especially following up on our war game. I think that just puts it in much sharper contrast when you play it right after. That's why you laughed. Yeah, a little bit. I'm an original. That's good. So we sort of voiced all our opinions on the individual segments. Moving on, we've sort of seen what we thought about the individual segments. How do you think the film as a whole hangs together? Uh, Tanner. How does it hang together? Well, boy, I'll tell you, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I was straight up disliking it until the last 15 or 20 minutes. I sent this in the group chat. Guys, I'm going to be 100 with you. I don't think this is good. I thought it was incoherent. I thought the individual segments had barely anything to do with each other and was poorly sewn together. And then that guy said, thankfully, I'm on vacation. And I went, I love you. So I don't know. I'm a child. Leave me alone. I don't think it works as one cohesive narrative piece very well. Uh, We've been we talked about the Pokemon in the first movie a lot. And you'll hear our thoughts on that next week more. At least that was a movie. Mm. This is three different things stitched together awkwardly. And I admire the producers. They do the best they probably could have done. I can't imagine doing a better job myself. It's more that the concept from the start is somewhat flawed. That's a fair. We'll probably hear variations on that coming up here. Uh, Like I said, they did an amazing job. I couldn't do better. (laughs) I I would say they didn't do an amazing job, Um, but... They did the best they could. Uh, No offense to the job. Name one. Name one. Okay. I'm going to have to make you eat those words, Commander. Coming in. (laughs) Robotech. Tim. It was just one of those things that, like, I I wanted to watch it just because I knew that it was one of those just like relics of the era of weird localization, which thankfully doesn't really happen anymore. Uh, they're, they're usually just like uncut releases of uh, stuff these days, but uh, it, it's always just kind of fun to like visit the weird stuff like this, uh, where they just, they didn't know how to market it and they just did whatever they could to get a thing into a theater and try and sell it. Let's just let's put this weird Canadian cartoon in front of it for the lulls. I don't know. As a like narrative piece, yeah, it doesn't really hold together. Like I think the first two bits kind of work. Like they're different stories, clearly. They're completely different stories, but like at least you're like seeing like Ty as a kid and then Ty is a slightly older kid um, and you're getting just like a little bit of uh, growth and just like seeing more adventures with him I get that connection at least Um, but then like the third one just doesn't really work at all with the first two but you know that's just that's just how they did it back then I'm just glad that we live in an era where um, we don't have those like butchered anime anymore like I said I, I watched um, anime on Kids WB instead of uh, Fox Kids so I, I didn't see the uh, Fox Kids dub of Escaflone but I did see the uh, Kids WB dub of Cardcaptor Sakura and oh boy Glad that we've moved on from it. Back to you, Ethan. I think I think if they're going to include a random Canadian cartoon in front of anime shorts in the future, it should just be a random episode of Total Drama Island. Yes. Well, there you go. Card, Card Captors was dubbed by Nelvana, and they're Canadian, so they could have just put Card Captor 
We could have just gotten it from Kids WB. That's how that works. I, I admit, uh, I have a lot of nostalgic affection for that era. And Christ, I, I like Robotech. I, have, I can't. I'm, it's illegal for me to talk about basically anything regarding adaptation work. But I have, I have a lot of affection for it. But yeah, it is nice to be able to just have it, um, like the original version, uncut, with an English dub that makes it more accessible. I admit, I miss some stuff like that. I miss the Sailor Moon dub. The Sailor Moon dub was good. It's hilarious. It's good comedy. Austin, what do you think about the film as a whole? As an older person who's not able to remember what it's like to have a child's mind, I'd say that the difference between the, the subbed and dubbed version is uh, the amount of peril and reference humor present. It makes me believe that at least back in the year 2000, Japanese kids were expected to have significantly better taste than American kids did. Like the peril and the lack of padding with jokes is what makes the Digimon world feel kind of like something real. And this is also a testament to a film that's like almost completely undone by its messy ending. Like put this on my chart next to like Remember Me in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Remember Me. Is that the Rob the movie yeah. with the one? Yeah, I I would say that's that's a fair assessment. Like it, it kind of under it undercuts itself sort of at every every corner. As for my thoughts as a whole, I, I don't think it hangs together terribly well. It's one of those things where it's uh, particularly frustrating in retrospect because um, I can't help but think that if they just put uh, part one, part three, like just a more straightforward dub of that uh, that third film, uh, that would have been fine. Because a year later, the fourth Digimon movie came out. And it was the revenge of Diaboramon. Diaboramon oh. was back. It was thirty minutes long, too. Oh, it would. It was so they could have either if they'd waited a year, it would have paired like perfectly as a finale, or Digimon Adventure like as a like like a Pikachu, one of those Pikachu short films, basically put that in front of the the Digimon Adventure two film, and you have a feature length runtime, and then put our War Game and Revenge of Diaboramon together, you have another feature. If they literally just waited one more year, but instead we we got we got what we got, um, and what we got wasn't great. Uh, to sort of contextualize, um, like how messy this is, like even for a dumb child who was very young, I thought this movie was a bootleg tape my dad made of separate films when I was younger. Like I actually thought it was like separate parts of something. Um, Cause I think at one point I only had the tape of it with no, with the cover art scratched off. So I, I literally thought it was something that was made by someone, not that this like was the it's actual made by a team film. of someone's. Yeah. It was made by a team of dads. Exactly. Or that like I, maybe the first part was Digimon the movie. The first two parts was Digimon the movie. And then the, the last bit was just, again, this was like, you know, four or five year old Ethan thinking this and without much understanding for anything. It, like that's how obvious it is. This is three separate things just slapped together. And it's not great, but I like the component films, all of them. And I still have a lot of affection for this film just for like informing a certain love of things. I'll always prefer the originals or even the dub of the Digimon Adventure uh, TV series, um, which was you know much more true to the spirit of it. Even, even still, even with all its warts and all, it has at the very least a kitsch value that I appreciate, even if it isn't a replacement for the original works. Anyway, I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation. He's on vacation. Huh? He's got pants now. He's got pants now? It's Let's talk so about good. the soundtrack. I think it's fun for the most part. I think basically every time it's used, it undercuts um, whatever it's <laughs> trying to do. Uh, for the original score, I like the instrumental version of the uh, the Digimon opening quite a bit. The Digi-Rap sucks. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is not good, but it is fun. The ska is, the ska is fun. Uh, like, I think in the opening of our war game, it's acceptable, and basically everywhere else, it's bad. Um, well, charming. Uh, not bad. I enjoy, I enjoy its use, and I like the music. There you go, Tanner. I'll, I'll walk back that statement. Um, 
Austin, what did you think about the soundtrack? It sure was a funny feeling watching these in Japanese and therefore knowing when I'm watching Digimon the movie, these scenes are going to turn out fine. Nobody's getting their face eating, eaten. The city's not getting completely destroyed. Nobody's Digimon are going to die fighting Virusmon. But then taking it over the top and adding funny pop music over those sequences that used to have tension the first time I watched them. Oh man, it was hilarious. It was like a YouTube poop. Nothing says nobody's going to get hurt like the Rockefeller steak. Check it out now. Oh, the Funk Soul Brother, check it out. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, Tim. What's up? Yeah, the, the the Japanese score was pretty solid. I was able to engage with it pretty well. Um, and then like the dub version, like I, I know that that was a thing that they did a lot back in those back in the uh, late '90s, early aughts for those big titles. And you, you know, the the music's not uh, my thing, but I enjoy like the DBZ movie uh, English soundtrack. So I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm not here to judge. Uh, I like trash too. It's fine. Yeah, um, like actually, I didn't mention the Japanese soundtracks. I suppose um, I really love Braveheart, um, which plays uh, during the battle with, um, I believe, Enfermon um, earlier in the film. It's the track that sort of scores Digivolution or just regular evolution in the um, uh, television series. Love it, love it, love it. Um, and yeah, all the vocal tracks are mostly called from the, the television series and real good. I like them. Um, uh, Tanner, what did you think about the soundtrack for this movie? Boy, what did I think about the soundtrack of this movie? That was skanking, which is a dance move they do with ska music. Boy, I love this movie's soundtrack. Oh my god, it's my taste in music. I love the soundtrack. This is all music I fucking love. I have never had the opportunity to talk about it much on the podcast. I love ska music, okay? I live for that shit. The music that plays in a 12-year-old's head when they get an extra mozzarella stick, that's me 24-7, baby. Ska, ska, ska. All right, you got all the classics. You got All My Best Friends Are Metalheads by Less Than Jake, which was on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 soundtrack too, which is such an amazing song. Maybe one of my favorite ska songs ever. But what might actually be my favorite ska song ever is the impression that I get by the, by the Stones, the Mighty Mighty Boston. Oh my god. I love that band. I love their music. One of their band members is a guy that just dances. He doesn't even play an instrument. He just dances. I want that job. You got a, a fat boy slim, you know? Check it out now. The Funk Salt, which is an amazing song. All Star by Smash Mouth, which is the ending, which canonically makes it a prequel to Shrek, in my opinion. And most importantly, <laughs> you have what might be one of the greatest songs ever made in one week by the Bare Naked Ladies, which features a weird line about Sailor Moon and a classic line that was once used to make me laugh during a screening of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like Kurosawa and McMad films. Okay, they don't make films, but if I did, they'd have a samurai, you know, kind of stuff. I love this music. If someone were to ask me what influenced your sense of musical taste, Tanner, I'd say Digimon the movie and the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. Now, in terms of how it fits in the movie, oh my god, these are all so horribly placed, it makes no sense. They come out of nowhere, it doesn't fit. When one week starts playing, it's the most random thing ever. But I don't care, because I love the music. It's so good. I love this soundtrack. It is, in my opinion, maybe the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Pat impending, I would need to re-listen to Almost Famous' soundtrack again. Yeah, okay. That's our thoughts on the soundtrack. Glad Tanner liked it anyways. <laughs> Any final thoughts on the film from the panel? Uh, going through real quick, Tim. Uh, it was... Uh 
title from a series I'm not familiar with, but like I, I had a lot of fun with the first two segments. Um, didn't really click with the third one, but plenty to enjoy there with uh, those first two, at least for me. It, as a Hosoda fan, I just enjoyed kind of seeing some a, a peek at his early works as a uh, budding anime director. Oh, awesome. If you have the time, go watch Digimon Adventure, the short film from 1999, and Our War Game, the short from 2000. They're 100% worth it. It's a miracle they were made as Digimon films. As for this, uh, it's a funny little thing that couldn't be made today for a variety of reasons. If you're looking for a ridiculous dub filled with dumb jokes and wild music, it's not going to bite you or anything. Maybe go watch it. Maybe watch half of it. Tanner. That's more of a fascinating cultural artifact from around the turn of the century than it serves in an actual good narrative film. But I think for those reasons alone, it's worth watching. The soundtrack, the jokes, it's so perfectly dated in a way that if you want to understand what it was like to be born in 1989, this is probably the movie you should watch. It has perhaps the greatest movie soundtrack of all time. Beyond that, it's three different short films, one of which I clearly wasn't supposed to like, but was my favorite anyway. Uh, But quite frankly... Trying to stitch three unrelated short films uh, together in the first place is just kind of a corrupt idea. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. Back to you, Ethan. Yeah, uh, I, I still like it. I still think, I mean, for like a kitsch value, I like the short, the source shorts, uh, sort source films uh, rather. Uh, in general, source filmmaker yeah, in general a lot more. Um, and I think Digimon as a franchise writ large, particularly those those first three series, are genuinely good. Tamers and Digimon Adventure are good, genuinely good children's entertainment um, that f- emphasizes long-term storytelling and, like, characterization in a way. No other real, like, children's collecting bullshit kind of thing because they were, you know, they had consistent characters throughout. Like, it was just kid and partner Digimon. Uh, the problem is that's not terribly well served by a film format. And yet, despite that, I think all three of these kind of kind of do it, um, at least as extensions of the television series, even if not as uh, as things on their own. But overall, um, I have I still have a lot of affection for it, and I would recommend giving a look to at least the, the Japanese originals and those uh, those first three seasons of Digimon Adventure uh, Two and uh, Tamers, uh, which is not related to anything. But I just like Digimon Tamers; it's good and cool. Is it though? Uh, yeah, it is, Tanner. And on that note, <laughs> thank you. For joining us for the Bomb Squad podcast, be sure to uh, give us a, a like and a subscribe on uh, the U- YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to on one of the audio platforms, uh, be sure to give us either five stars, thumbs up, etc., um, depending on whichever platform you are listening. Shout out Spotify Video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to listen on Spotify Video, be sure to join us next week as we cover Yu-Gi-Oh, the Dark Side of Dimensions, and also Pokemon. Both hosted by me. Indeed. Yeah, you're getting a double dose of Tim. You're getting Pokemon on Friday and Yu-Gi-Oh on Saturday. Join us then. Take care. Bye. Farewell. Godspeed, Spider-Man. He's got pants now.